Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we take a look back at some of the very best commentaries from your favorite Rebels from this past week. I'm your host, who's definitely not your usual host, David Menzies. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and I continue to fill in for my friend David as he takes a well-deserved break from the show. But don't worry, he will be back. Quebec is under the worst lockdown tyranny in all of the Western world. Restrictions on gathering, restrictions on businesses, restrictions on churches, they're closed. And there's a curfew in place for regular normal citizens who are just trying to live their lives. It's all to stem, so they say, the tide of the far less deadly Omicron variant of COVID. And yet, the illegal border crossing at Roxham Road in Quebec remains wide open. And brazen cab drivers from the United States are just dumping illegal migrants at the Canadian border in exchange for 60 bucks. But your grandma... She can't get back into the country after spending the winter in Mexico. Alexa Lavoie joins us to tell us what she found on her latest trip to the Canadian southern border. It's now international news and an international embarrassment for Ronald McDonald House Charity, the charity that provides housing at no cost to families who have to travel so that their children can receive life-saving treatment. Well, they've taken to evicting unvaccinated families. Now in the face of blowback, the charity now says they're relocating the suffering families that they've already treated as plague rats. There's more to the story. Andrea Humphrey joins us tonight to talk about her interview with the family of a young boy fighting leukemia that was evicted from the Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver. And she tells us what you can do to send a message to the people who made the decision to betray this family. And then naturally, letters, letters, letters. Oh boy, we get your letters all day, all night. Letters, Facebook messages, YouTube comments, Rumble comments and tweets. We get them all. And I'll read some of those tonight. Well, friends, those are your rebels. Let's round them up. So we are back today in Roxanne Road because, as you know, here in Quebec, uh, because Roxanne Road is a part of the Quebec province, we just installed new measure, new lockdown, and back to curfew 
to protect the health system, but as well to make sure the Omicron is not spreading more than it is right now because our cases are rising really high. So we will check if we still have imme illegal immigrants will, will pass here because if it's the case, Nothing makes sense anymore. Why letting people enter in Canada illegally without a vaccination proof or PCR test negative when we know that we shut everything down back for the health of the population? Bah, non, nous autres, on fait juste voir qu'est-ce qui se passe. Est-ce que vous avez encore du monde qui rentre illégalement? Illégalement? Oui. À tous les jours. À tous les jours. Ouais. Mais, mais même avec. Je, je vais juste vous demander de ne de, de pas être trop dans le chemin, mais qui arrive, puis vous allez pouvoir filmer d'ici, c'est pas un problème. Trouvez pas ça spécial un peu qu'on permette encore du monde de rentrer illégalement? Pas okay? Avec un couvre-feu. On, euh... on a un bureau des communications à la GRC. Si vous avez des questions, vous pouvez vous adresser à eux. OK. C'est bon? Mais vous n'avez pas d'opinion, vous, non, euh, en particulier? Non. Est-ce que vous leur demandez des tests PCR ou euh, une preuve de vaccination? So he doesn't have any opinion at this subject. If I, I want to ask some question, I need to call the RCMP uh, office. And they say that they will answer to my question. So good thing, I'm gonna call, why not? I'm gonna call to, to check what they ask for requirement to the people who come here. Oui, bonjour. Uh, Est-ce que je suis à la gendarmerie? En fait, on, je m'intéressais à savoir c'est quoi votre politique d'entrée euh, pour euh, le, la COVID pour les immigrants illégaux. Qu'est-ce que vous leur réclamez? Qu'est-ce qu'on leur réclame? Euh, comme euh, preuve. Est-ce que vous de, euh, demandez une preuve de vaccination? Est-ce que vous leur demandez un test de PCR négatif? Est-ce que... Euh, Qu'est-ce que vous leur demandez? Je pense pas être la personne pour répondre à ça, malheureusement. Je pense que ça plus autre à être avec l'Agence des services frontaliers du Canada. Euh, parce qu'ils ont fait des... Euh, J'ai vu certaines euh, réponses là, qui ont circulé dans les derniers jours. Vous n'êtes pas la première à nous poser la question. Comme tout processus de police normale, lorsqu'on ferait euh, une arrestation, ben, la personne n'a pas besoin de présenter de, de, de preuves vaccinales quand elle se fait arrêter, évidemment. Euh, maintenant, pour ce qui est du traitement des gens spécifiquement qui demandent l'asile à Roxham, c'est une fois qu'ils vont être avec euh, l'ASFC que là, euh, ça va être déterminé. Euh, c'est pour ça que je vous, vous encouragerais à les appeler eux autres, en fait. Donc, le, le travail de la GRC, c'est de faire l'interception des gens qui rentrent de façon illégale ou irrégulière. Une fois qu'on a fait notre enquête policière, s'il s'avère que ces personnes-là demandent l'asile, ben, on les euh, remet à l'ASFC et là, ils font leur demande auprès de l'ASFC. Oh! Euh, sur le taxi marqué Rock and Road Border. I'm sorry, mister. Are you like a private uh, taxi for people crossing illegally in Ruxton Road? Uh, 
not just for rocks and road but I am a private taxi, yes. Yeah, because I saw like on your car that is riding uh, for the border here for rocks and road. Yeah, so when people get off the airplane or the bus, they can read it so they know where they're going. Okay. Do they have been trained before coming here to know like what to say? Yeah. I, I just tell them when they get like when they get here, they need to listen to these people, what they say, then they decide what they want to do on their own. And uh, do you know if uh, they need to be, do you have a PCR test or vaccination proof or anything for coming here? I'm not exactly sure what they need. But when you pick up them, you don't ask for anything. You just pick up and you bring them here. Yep, they call me. Yep, they call me and want to ride the Roxham Road, so I pick them up. Okay. And I'm the cheapest one. I charge sixty dollars. Sixty bucks. Away from Plattsburgh. Everybody else is between seventy and ninety, and some overcharge. Is it a, a, a good like business to to cut that you bring people here in Canada? Like for Roxham Road, is it is it like a thing that is really popular for ta taxi driver? Other taxi, like when the bus pulls in in Plattsburgh, there's a lot of taxis there waiting to see if anybody needs to come here. But I don't just come here. I'll bring people all over. I bring people. I like to do long distance stuff, not just refugees. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if a refugee comes off and needs to ride here, I bring them. Uh, do you do it like often per day uh, coming here? Sometimes. sometimes like maybe once a day. Okay. Yep. And uh, do you know if you have a lot of people like uh, coming here? Like, do you have like other people that you know that bring some people here every day? Yeah. Yeah. Other cab drivers. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's a common thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From what I gathered, the people like the main border, the legal ports, because there's American police, they just turn them around, send them back. I don't understand. Ah, uh, it's because he, he have no uh, yeah. American like that's officer. What, that's what I understand. Okay. I don't exactly know. I just, like I said, I try to, when they need a ride, I they call me, I give them a ride, you know, and um, a lot of them I feel bad for. I heard some of their stories, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. It's not their fault they're born there, you know? It's very sad. Do you know which uh, country they are coming from? Like a lot. Haiti, Nigeria, Africa, they're from Colombia, uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, all over, uh, all over. And they, they are most from uh, bus or most for, from plane that's coming? Both. Both? Yeah. Ah, there we go. On Have you heard? I just heard the police tell, here we go. We have a man with a bracelet. Which kind of bracelet we are talking about? Um, is it a bracelet for criminal record? We'll never know, but I just heard it from the police. And I just heard the question from the police to them do you have a vaccination card and i just saw the woman say no she's not vaccinated so we let people enter here 
and they will contribute to spread probably the virus when we have a health system that is collapsing and we put more measure for protecting it. So we put more measure for protecting our health system. We let them enter without vaccination or anything else. Who is finished on this story? It's all of us. While millions of Quebec residents are currently being subject to unscientific curfews to stop the spread of the highly transmissible, but also way less severe Omicron variant of COVID, yet the illegal border crossing at Roxham Road remains open for arrivals. While normal Canadians cannot board a plane or a train to visit loved ones in other parts of one of the world's largest countries, at the end of a residential road in Quebec, cabs from upstate New York are taking cash to bring illegal migrants to Canada to be greeted by the RCMP before they step illegally across an international border. And no one's doing anything about it, except for Alexa Lavoie, our Quebec-based reporter who has been shining a light on this issue. Alexa, thanks so much for joining me. I, I wanted to ask you, how long were you at Roxham Road this last time? And how many taxis of migrants showed up in that short time? I spent around maybe three or three hours or maybe around that. And I saw five taxi with family, like entire big family. So I saw almost uh, 40 or 30 people like crossing over uh, that day. And as well, we saw other luggage like be, being bring when we arrived first of all, like that day, and um, and I took the chance to intercept the uh, taxi driver to to ask him some some question uh, that day, and I was so surprised. He answered all my questions perfectly, and I was like, "Thank you to answer it to me," but probably because he doesn't know what is that problem in. in in Canada, the Roxheim Road. Uh, you know what? You're so nice because you don't think that what he, like you don't think that he's being a bad person. But when I saw that, I thought, how brazen is this guy? In in another time, this would be called human trafficking. It's so brazen what he's doing that they call the taxi company Roxham Road. And he told you, we go to the airport, they come out of the airport, they see Roxham Road, they know I'm the guy, I take their money, and then I dump them off at the Canadian border. And he had the gall to say, well, I hear their stories, and they're really sad. Okay, great, why aren't you doing something about it? Why are you making it my problem? Why are you taking them to the border and say, okay, off you go, you're Canada's problem mm -hmm. now. Why isn't he doing something? I guess, I, I just, I couldn't understand how brazen and shameless it all was. It was just up front. He's taking migrants to the border. At the southern Mexican border, they call these people coyotes. They mm -hmm. bring people from Mexico across the desert and dump them in Texas. And it's a big problem and it's a huge crime. But if it happens in fancy upstate New York, nobody seems to care. No, because they know that Canada is always open. But we are open for legal entrance. Uh, same if sometimes, yeah, we, we receive a lot, a lot of people, and we know that our health system is collapsing. It's why Quebec put the curfew and some insanity, like now the L tax and everything. But we put that for 
the resident of the province of Quebec, where in the province of Quebec, we have a illegal port of entry where immigrants come and most of them test positive to COVID. We bring them in Montreal and we will impose some more measure to the resident of the province and attacks because, because of them, they say that they cost a lot for the health system. But what about them? They will not probably pay the, the health tax. They will not probably pay any services from our health system because we are taking care of them. And now it's the resident of Quebec to pay the bill. Not just pay the bill, but live with the consequences. So, you know, residents of Quebec are basically subject to checkpoints and check stops and they have to show their papers and this happens to you when you're doing the lawful activity of reporting mm -hmm. the police will come up and hassle you and tell you even though you're out and about reporting for us carrying a piece of paper that says i'm alexa lavoie i'm doing my job they'll still hassle you they still would very much like you to go home they tell you when you're reporting on mass arrests where you can stand yeah. in your own country on the street as a free woman to do the work of journalism and yet at the border where someone is arriving illegally by a guy who takes money yeah. who makes a living trafficking people to the canadian border mm -hmm. and the rcmp say come in with us come stand in this warm building we'll get your we'll get you processed into the country it is appalling the different treatment but I, what I don't understand, why the U.S. don't do anything for that? It's advertising that it's actually an illegal uh, market, like to bring yeah. people to the illegal port of the entry. And what the taxi drivers say is because they don't have RCMP from the U.S. border, because if it was the case, they would be turned back to U.S. It's why they come to Roxanne Road and because they have been arrested in the side of Canada, we the RCMP, because I called there, they say, because they have been arrested, we don't ask for anything, like no proof of vaccination, nothing. They don't need to prove anything to us because they are in under arrest. So I was like, what's the point? We have the, the COVID that is spreading all over and all the citizens of, of Canada are paying the price of this illegal like activity that nobody seems caring but i know that um justin trudeau say that they want to stop uh this activity but it renew for five years the facility that is at the border yeah uh that doesn't make sense do you know what they could do really quickly is just build a fence <laughs> you know that <laughs> seems you know like you can just put up a fence and it would keep people out, but that's not what they're doing. They're leaving that hole in the road and making sure that there's permanent infrastructure there for at least the next five years. That signals to the traffickers in upstate New York that for the next five years, they they can do brisk business bringing people to the Canadian border while Canadian grandparents who spend the winter in Florida or Mexico, yeah. they're having a tough time getting back into their own country where they're citizens because of Justin Trudeau's travel restrictions. It's so mm. unfair. And especially who is these people who cross into Canada? We don't have any record. 
And when I was there, I was pretty lucky because it just happened when I was running to to uh, the taxi. I heard the police say, oh, here we go. We have like a man with a bracelet at his uh, ankle. And I was like, what does this mean? He claimed asylum. Do you, you will like remove the bracelet and you will keep him in Canada? What did he do? What is his past? Can we know? Who, who is this person that's crossed into our country? We will never know because everything is so hiding from us. Well, and one thing I thought was really remarkable from the taxi driver. You know, I, I appreciate how upfront he is as much as I disagree with what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But he did try to justify what he was saying by or what he was doing by saying, you know, they've got very sad stories. I hear their stories. Yeah, but those are just stories. You know, as I saw these families coming across, I thought to myself, are those really families? Or are those children being trafficked across the border and this man is helping them? How do we know? If, oh, we don't if know. We don't know. And so he could be facilitating the trafficking of children. And he doesn't really know as long as he gets his 60 bucks at the airport. And he patted himself on the back because he said other taxi drivers take more money. So look at me. I'm a good guy. And especially because what he say, he say he trained a little bit them until they arrived to the border to say you should say that uh, you should stand there and uh, don't forget your luggage. And it's like. You train them. You train them to to know how to act when you arrive there. And when I call the RCMP officer, they say, "Oh, but they are under arrest." And the one that claimed for asylum, we bring them to uh, another place, and they have free lawyer from Canada to debate for themselves. And I was like, "But it's probably a hundred percent of the people who cross Roxanne Road." that claim asylum and he was like i cannot confirm but yeah probably yes so and what i heard from the news because i did call the immigration place and i did call the uh uh, uh border uh place and both of them doesn't answer at all it's just uh, a automatic record and they never came back to me they never the same like i tried to write to them never had like any answer. So the only place that was uh, answering to me is the RCMP. And most of the question they say, I'm not a good person to answer to you. I cannot answer to this question. I say, why the RCMP at the border say to call you for answering my question if you are not able to answer anything of what I'm asking? Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like there's such an easy common sense solution to this. We've got taxis with their phone number on the side, trafficking people to the border. Let's call those people, deal with that, maybe charge them. But secondarily, let's just put a wall up. <laughs> why don't we, I don't understand why they just don't put a wall up. You can put a wall up for a lot cheaper than you can hire lawyers for every mm -hmm. single person who walks. I think you could put a wall up for a lot less money than hiring a lawyer for the taxi loads of people who came in just on the day that you were there yeah and what he said to me every day he's coming to Roxanne Road and all his colleague too uh so I and I asked like is it a good business for you to to come to Roxanne Road and I, it seemed like to be pretty good money uh for them and I, you heard what he say he say oh I'm the cheaper one and sometimes I got trouble because I charge less than all my other like 
yeah. for a league. And I was like, you don't, you don't see that for us. It's really a big problem. And for now, you're 60 bucks cost us probably a hundred times more to, to us just to make them enter in our country. Yeah. But that, it, it, it doesn't realize it, I think. You know, um, that guy makes me want to show up at his door with my luggage and just say, I'm coming in and I'm staying for a while and <laughs> figure it out. You know, because I think that's what it has, what sort of the context that it has to be put in for some of these people. He didn't really seem to care as long as he got his 60 bucks and good. And he, you know, he thought he was a nice guy because he didn't charge as much as his other people, uh, as his colleagues. But at the same time, what what has this got to do with the taxpayers of Canada? Why do we have to fix this problem? Mm -hmm. And especially, I'm not lying when I say it's about less than five minutes uh, drive to go to their legal port of entry in both sides. It's so close. <laughs> and what we were able to see is nothing go there to cross. No, nobody yeah. go there to cross. It's, it's all in rocks and road. And I was really... It was really outrageous to see how many cars that they arrived in the same time. At one point, we had like three taxis yeah. in the same time in front of me with like a lot of family. And, and the RCMP was like, do everybody speak French because I don't want <laughs> to repeat? And I was like, you will be under arrest if you cross here and you will not go back. And I was like, okay. That's all they wanted to hear was you don't have to go back. That's all yeah. they wanted to hear. And uh, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not against immigration. I don't think you are no, either. I just would really appreciate it if they did it the right way. Um, when someone breaks a law coming into my country, I don't think you respect our country. It's just because I'm thinking about all the, these other migrants that are applying legally, are waiting, and they came and, and they take their place. Yeah. And some people are waiting for years to come in, into Canada. I'm just so sad for them because they decided to, to be right, to do the, the right thing. But at the end, it, it's not good for them. No. No, some of the largest, um, some of the loudest voices against illegal immigration are the people who came here legally. Um, especially in uh, the lower uh, sort of mainland of Vancouver, where there's a high population of Chinese people. Many of them came here legally, and they were the ones raising the issue of people coming here to have a baby so that they could stay. They were the ones that wanted that law changed. But if you or I mentioned it, we'd be a bunch of racists. <laughs> Alexa, sorry, go ahead. You had something to say. Uh, it's, uh, the other big issue is because they bring them to Place Dupuis in Montreal and uh, YMCA, where the Quebec homeless people had a shelter to mm -hmm. stay. But now they are back in the street to put these illegal immigrants there. So we put one of our problems back to the street, our own citizen back to the street, to being able to make a place for them. It's so sad and it doesn't have to be this way. Like I said, just build a wall and the problem is solved and maybe arrest a couple taxi drivers to send a message to the rest <laughs> of them. Um, <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> tell us how uh, people can find some of the work that you're doing on the lockdown issue in Quebec. And more importantly, 
how they can support the work that you're doing, because I know you're out on the streets um, covering the lockdown and the curfew and you're at Roxham Road and you're the only journalist there. It seems like it's a pretty important issue, both of these things. You would think the mainstream media might be interested in it, but they are completely absent. So how do people yeah. find the work that you're doing and support it? Um, I know that a lot of people uh, like our uh, job and seriously, sometimes I would need more manpower here in the ground. So it's always appreciated when I have my colleague from Toronto that's coming uh, to help us. And uh, so it's sure that people can go to lockdownreport.com to help us to uh, chip in and uh, help me with all these these uh trouble expense because sometimes i'm really like uh, at night especially for covering the disobedience for a curfew like tonight where i'm going to i'm going to uh um cover one that is two hours and a half from my home so and since the beginning of the curfew zero media mainstream did cover it as if it's normal to have a curfew in 2022 in Canada. It's supposed to be normal, I think, uh, because no no mainstream went uh, to industry to cover that. And especially for Rocks and Road, sometimes we have like a quick report from the mainstream, but it disappears after. Nobody talk about it afterwards. So what's the point to show, okay, yeah, we have a problem, but resolve the problem. Bring it like furthermore, further and and do an investigation more deep on this. But nobody doesn't care. (laughs) Well, the mainstream media doesn't care, but I do think Canadians care, and I think they appreciate your work very much. Um, I know I do. You're working night and day, you and the rest of the Quebec team, and it is so much work. You're, You're covering the lockdown in one of Canada's largest provinces, and you're doing more work than the rest of the media landscape in Quebec combined. So thank you so much, Alexa. Maybe you you. can get a little bit of rest this afternoon because I know you're headed back out again tonight. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Have a great day. Thanks. Uh, it's just pretty disturbing. I'm just wondering if it's legit. Is this saying that like everybody's not vaccinated is getting evicted? Well, we have a grace period to which you can um, get your first dose. Yeah. But essentially, as of January 17th, it's a board mandate from our from So I just want to get this straight. So by the end of the month, my four-year-old boy with leukemia is getting evicted because we don't have a vaccine. Like I'm reading comments that say. I'm ashamed to be a Canadian, like complete wickedness and just on and on and on, just these powerful, just this weeping of the community of like, how did they get this far? And for them to just be like, you can just see how their consciences are dead because, because when I was talking to the manager, it's like she's surprised that this is even happening. It's like, what's the big deal? Like, it's just another vaccine passport. It's just another thing. We've been doing this for a while. Haven't you gotten the memo? Yesterday, a family reached out to me to tell me how they're being treated by the Ronald McDonald House behind me. If you're not familiar with Ronald McDonald House, it does great work. This is a 74-bed location where kids who are struggling and trying to survive with things like cancer and need treatment for that can come and live with their families. This cuts back on the expenses and on the overall stress of going back and forth. The family who you will see interviewed here would have to drive four hours at least to get treatment if something like this wasn't there for them. Now here's where things go wrong. 
the dehumanization we're seeing of people who are not yet vaccinated for a vaccine that has zero long-term studies and the CEO of Pfizer, who is also a friend to the Ronald McDonald House thanks to their large donation there, just said provides little if any protection if you have two or more. Uh, and we know that um, the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, in, in, against deaths, I think, very good. Um, and less protection against uh, infection. The policy, which came out on January 10th here, says that anybody who is not vaccinated will not be able to enter their building to visit a loved one. And if they are a family member who is unvaccinated, whether or not it's a child five years or older or the adults, they will not be able to stay here. That video you put up on Facebook has really tugged on the hearts of many people. Mm -hmm. um, you reminded me that our paths crossed earlier when you asked for prayer about Jack and his situation. So for people who are not familiar with Jack's story, why don't you tell us uh, why, what brought you here sure. to having to stay here? Yeah, so um, our family, we rented out a log cabin out of D Lake in Lake Country. Uh, we're from Kelowna. And one day Jack's just like, carry me daddy, carry me daddy. And I thought he must have like hurt his leg on a tree branch or something. Um, and, and tripped and sprained his ankle. So we tr treated him for a sprained ankle um, for the first two weeks, but he started to get lethargic and he wouldn't play with kids and it wasn't getting better. And one day he had this depressed look in his eye i never seen. So I, uh, me and Lindsay are like, okay, we gotta take him to the hospital. His foot's probably broken or something. X-rays came back, not broken, went back to the hospital. And then we got a call later that night saying, yeah, your son has leukemia. You gotta come down here right now. And then basically they uh, got an ambulance, put him in a stretcher and flew him out here. Wow. And so, you know, every parent's nightmare, really. And then how did you end up coming here? My understanding is that some friends, as well as your church, who, by the way, we will be speaking with your pastor in this report as well, yeah, um, came best. together. And then why did you need the services of Ronald McDonald House? Yeah, so the reason you need Ronald McDonald House here is one... It's, <laughs> you want to talk into it? You can say hi. But yeah, so um, the reason it's so necessary is because you have to go there all the time. Like, Lindsay, how often do you have to go there, would you say? Three times a week? Three, three times? About two or three times a week. Okay. Yeah, and you guys are from Kelowna. For those of you who don't know, that's at least four hours away, right? So. Yeah, and with the snow and the roads getting all smashed up, it was, it was brutal driving back and forth and stuff. So, yeah, being here... Having a place this close like this is so necessary too because I'm going to be working here and you know if I have to go to a job and she has to come here the same day and we got one vehicle it's like how is that going to work you know what I mean so having a place close like this where she can just walk over is so important because she needs to come here all the time. And so how long have you been here and how long were you supposed to stay while Jack was getting treatment? Yeah so we've been here since we've been here since October. Okay, Jack, you're gonna get down. Jack's getting down. Do you wanna sit in the chair? Okay. You okay? Yeah, so we've, we've been here since October, and so however long it's been, you know, three months. And so it's estimated if it's good news coming up that everything's going good, we'd be here till June. 
So this is a long time. Like some people come in here and they've got like problems like you can't believe, but they're in and out in like a month or two months. And you tell, and they're just like, this is so crazy and all this stuff. And I tell them, I've been gonna be here for eight months, their jaw just drops. Like, that's a long time. Like we moved in here, I changed my mailing address here. I changed it on my driver's license. Like this was our home and we loved being here. When I got here, like I took a video on my phone and put it on Facebook and I was going down the slide in the foyer there and just, I'm like, this place is so amazing. The staff's been so great doing arts and crafts. We were getting involved culturally, doing the things they do, like like decorating your door for the holidays or, or whatever. Like this was like a family and a home to us. Like we don't hate anybody here. I don't know where this law came from. I don't know how many of the staff supported or what, but I think it's pretty obvious that people are outraged about you know, how evil it is that they're evicting a four-year-old kid with leukemia over a vaccine with three weeks notice. And I think it's a story that's really just impacted a lot of people, no matter what your beliefs are, because everybody cares about sick kids. Like, everybody donates to this place and to the hospital. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are or what country you're from or whatever. Everybody wants sick kids to live. And so I think there's been so much outrage around that. I think there's outrage because because it's not just a vaccine mandate for adults, it's a vaccine mandate for kids. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people here and people, you know, who are like, I got the vaccine, but I don't want to give it to my kids. So it, 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 it hits a broad spectrum of people and we're getting evicted, but in the future, like any unvaccinated kid is not going to be allowed to come here anymore. Surely you would think there were exceptions to the absolutely uncompassionate discriminatory vaccine mandates plaguing our society. And surely you would think those exceptions would be for little kids who are fighting for their lives against deadly illnesses. That makes sense, right? Well, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case for at least one Ronald McDonald house in Vancouver, where an eviction order was issued to the family of a four-year-old who's fighting cancer. Ronald McDonald House Charities are part of a larger charity organization that accommodates families with hospitalized children under the age of 21 so they don't have to worry about the cost of accommodation when they travel for treatment. But yet, this family is out on the street. Drea Humphrey spoke to the dad of that little four-year-old with leukemia to get the full story. Now, they tell us, Drea, these vaccine mandates are so that we are compassionate towards our neighbors. But this hardly seems like that. So what's going on here? Well, uh, what's going on, I certainly can't answer, except for the fact that, you know, one of the things reporting on the other side of the story with these restrictions and the overreach is you always think, well, what's next? Like, if this is happening, what's next? I feel like this is the next. Like, I don't want to know what goes on after this. This has to kind of be the end of the road where we unify because... This family, first of all, isn't the only family that the policy affects. It's for anyone unvaccinated age five and up in a, a charity that helps children, sick children. Um, it's actually a very normal thing for children to be delayed um, if they're getting cancer treatments for vaccinations to be delayed. So there's that. But then there's the whole, you know, maybe the parents have their own reason that they can't get it. Uh, which is the example of the interview here. There's reasons they have chosen not to get the vaccine. And so now they're out on the streets. Yeah, the, it really doesn't make any sense. And to say these people are anti-modern medicine because they are rejecting this vaccine, that's clearly not true. They're relying on modern medicine to save their child's life. Mm -hmm. It's just this one thing that they're just pumping the brakes on. And for that, 
up until people got wind of what happening, they were basically going to be out on the street. Exactly. And that's something that really needs to be clarified. You see a lot of the news reports um, sort of, I guess, trusting the spin that I would say Ronald McDonald House is doing. That policy, which we have uh, shown in the report, said absolutely nothing about accommodating them. So here you are, a parent, you got the worst nightmare, you find out your child has uh, leukemia, you're dealing with that, you get to this place of refuge, which by the way, little Jack loves. He loves living there and staying there and they're supposed to stay there till June. So this isn't just a two week, one month thing and they've already been there for a while. Um, so imagine you're dealing with all that, you get to this place where you can breathe, this sense of normalcy and you get this document that says that. Since uh, that policy went out and since there was uh, viral outrage, uh, international levels. That is when only after that did um, Ronald McDonald House make it clear now that they intend to help relocate these families. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's getting lost on a lot of the new reports. They're saying things like, here's why, or, or they're relocating. And it's like, no, they put that family through that stress. And again, um, this is their home. And it's never easy to be suddenly ripped from your home less than 30 days notice, especially when it's a home that's uh, your child with leukemia loves. Yeah, it looks like Ronald McDonald House is doing their best to save face because they were not relocating them uh, up until this was basically an international bear trap they put their foot into. Yeah. And, and the community, uh, people who see this, They've really rallied around this family. Their GoFundMe yes. has basically exploded because people like me, I don't know what to do except send a journalist to tell the story. Mm -hmm. But there are other people who just say, I don't know what to do to express my disgust for what I see. Here's five bucks. Let me help. And exactly. I think there's a lot of that happening. I think it's so good. That was their original GoFundMe for when they just needed help, you know, with treatment. And you're right. It, it just keeps climbing and climbing. I think it's also a sign of the times. I think the silent majority is done being silent. And their, um, you know, examples like this show just how far we've fallen morally in this country. And people can get behind this um, you know, so eagerly and so boldly. And we're seeing that with the GoFundMe as well. And we're not just telling this story journalistically. We are actually advocating for this family to be able to stay. That would be the best decision for little Jack. And there are other measures that uh, Ronald McDonald House could take. Um, according to the father, they don't do regular testing. In fact, um, they do a good job of cleaning and everything like that. But I mean, there hasn't been a, hey, make sure you socially distance uh, conversation with them or anything like that. So there are measures that they could have taken. So what we are doing is asking people to go to letthemstay.ca. I think this is very important because the backpedaling, the wishy-washy, oh, actually we were going to help them anyways. That's not good enough. This is a, a dangerous precedent to inconvenience sick children battling cancer in their families uh, when you could take other measures. So if you go to let them say .ca. That's a petition to let them and the other families that apparently this is affecting be able to stay where they want to stay, where they're loving staying. And it also prompts you really quickly, if you'd like to, to do an email to the CEO um, so that, you know, they know you're watching. You're, you're watching closely about what they're going to do and how they're going to handle this situation.
You know, I think that last piece that you mentioned there is so important. Send a message to the CEO because it sounds like this was a local decision. Um, this isn't necessarily happening at all Ronald McDonald houses. This was a local decision. And and not only should you let your dollars do the talking, but we're giving people an opportunity to send a message directly to the people who made this decision at letthemstay.ca. And you're, you're so right. We need to nip this in the bud right now exactly. because there are other families that are probably watching this with horror saying, well, I'm in a Ronald McDonald house in Edmonton. When, mm -hmm. when are they going to evict me and my child? So yeah. we need to, this it might be a message to this CEO, but let it be a message to all of them that we will not stand for treating families who are, this is literally any yeah. parent's worst nightmare. This is the hardest thing this family will ever go through. Mm -hmm. And they have been told that they can rely on this children's charity to help them get through part of it. And then the rug was ripped out from underneath them. Yeah, it's completely dehumanizing. I will throw in there. I suppose it's not totally surprising, but apparently Australia, uh, a Ronald McDonald house there is also doing the same thing. Um, so we'll update on that. And, and it's just important that uh, people look at the report too, because you get to hear a full, um, you know, interview with the family. I'm seeing snippets of, of what they said going up in other reports. And so it's nice to actually hear their side of the story. Um, rather than the narrative that's going out. No, and, and one last thing, we're not calling for a boycott, a, a boycott, excuse me, of Ronald McDonald's children's charities. Absolutely we, not. We think they do good work and they do help families when they need it, but we want them to maintain their mandate to help all the families mm -hmm. they promised to help. We want them to keep their word. So we're not encouraging people to boycott donations to Ronald McDonald's children's charities we don't want that to happen, um, yeah. but we do want to give you the ability to help Ronald McDonald House right the ship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, one more time, Drea, before I let you go, how do people do that? Well, you can go to letthemstay.ca, fill out the petition quickly. I mean, it couldn't be any more easier, a minute of your life. Uh, fill in the prompt to send the email and then share to as many people as possible to shed light on this. Drea, thank you so much for running out there as quickly as the story was breaking to get the family's full story on the record. It's so important to talk to people instead mm -hmm. of about them. The mainstream media does that. We're not going to do that. But also giving our viewers uh, a chance to support this family and let their voices be heard. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for having me. Donc, vous, vous les arrêtez. Là, vous êtes en train de me menacer, monsieur. Non, 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 non. 
I heard the CBC has closed the comment section for so many of their stories. I guess the good news is, given CBC's viewership numbers, no one will even notice. But not us here at Rebel News. We welcome your viewer feedback, so let's take a look at some of it. On Rumble regarding Alexa's video about being stopped and harassed by police for reporting on the curfew, Tigerheart writes... Alexa, one of Canada's bravest reporters. She's like a wolverine facing a bear and won't back down. Gotta love her. Yeah, the fact that Alexa is even out covering the curfew should tell this Gomer Pyle Quebec police force that she isn't some easily intimidated mainstream media journalist since those people aren't ever out there covering the real stories that matter. But Alexa has also stared down the most powerful man in the country, Justin Trudeau, and she put hard questions to him that he refused to answer. She's not scared and not easily bullied, and we are so proud of her work. Throughout the years, the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, CSIS, and other um, national security apparatus have actually warned the government of Canada, Canadian, that Canada is subject to foreign interference, be that from People's Republic of China, but also Russia and Iran, etc., foreign powers. Um, and, and that is why this act, not specifying, not specifically uh, aiming against certain country, it's, in my perspective, from my point of view, it's so much needed. Because we need that to, to bring it down from under the table to above the table. As uh, somebody's infamous said, um, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant of things. Uh, transparency will help media such as yourself to hold government to account, to hold people to account, officials to account. Uh, that is why I want to introduce this. Uh, even though according to the House of Commons rules, there's very little chance that this will see uh, the, the night of day uh, in the House of Commons because of the ranking. Andrea's interview with former Conservative MP Kenny Chu on how China targeted his campaign with propaganda efforts that led in part to his loss in the last election. Canadian Girl 777 on Rumble writes, Thanks for the fantastic investigative journalism, Drea. What a wonderful man Kenny Chu is. A great example of a freedom-loving, ethical, intelligent person that Canada should welcome. He loves Canada and only wants to save our way of life, rights, and freedoms. He's an important whistleblower. We should not let this story go unresolved. Yeah, the same Canadian media who won't shut up about a repeatedly debunked Russia collusion hoax in the United States are truly ignoring real Chinese meddling in the Canadian election. Why? Because the end justifies the means. It's okay if China meddles as long as Trudeau, their paymaster, wins. And while the mainstream media likes to write off any criticism of the Chinese government as anti-Chinese racism, much of the criticism about China's foreign influence on our politics comes from Chinese expats who did their best to get away from Chinese communism. But the media, they don't let facts get in the way of a good accusation. As an official guest of the Canadian delegation to India, he brought with him a Khalistani terrorist, a man named Jaspal Atwal, an Indo-Canadian businessman convicted of attempted murder for his role in the 1986 attempted assassination of a Punjab government minister. A Khalistani sympathizer, a member of a now-banned militant group, that's who Trudeau brought with him. Imagine how the Indians felt. It caused a public relations crisis for Trudeau, but having a terrorist on the trip wasn't the most serious thing that prompted a police investigation that caused the Canadian delegation to get the Indian police on the case. The real crime was someone stealing Trudeau's chocolates, three cans of pop, and some sparkling water.
<laughs> the Delhi police were mobilized to deal with this shocking crime. Here's the internal email. This is from one government bureaucrat to another, and the Canadian forces are CC'd on this since they are the people in charge of the Challenger jet fleet. Catering issue. Christine, as per our conversation and after speaking to MS Elena Champagne, lead flight steward, she informed me of the following. After verifying the catering order that was inspected by Delhi police at the catering company, she made the following observations. Missing out of all of the food trays was the little chocolate that was supposed to be in every tray. All chocolate boxes were opened and about a handful were missing in each box. One third of the Toblerone bars were missing from their box. Three cans of pop was taken from each of the makes of pop and Perrier. I have CC'd the lead flight steward and the MC on this email. Martin Rivard, warrant officer, travel officer, Canadian Forces Air Marshal detail. This is an air marshal called in to deal with the stolen chocolates and the Delhi police. Now, on my story about Trudeau not being bothered about taking a convicted anti-India terrorist on his trip with him to India while also calling the cops when his Toblerones were stolen in Delhi, stuck in Toronto, 1776, on Rumble rights, he needs to be taxed for his high sugar and drug alcohol consumption. You know, good point. I don't make the rules. Quebec is bringing in a sin tax on the unvaccinated because of their alleged burden on the healthcare system. But diabetes and high blood pressure are among the top comorbidities predicting bad outcomes for those who catch COVID, unvaccinated or otherwise. Politician, tax thyself. Well, everyone, that's the show for tonight. Thanks for all the kind words you've been sending me over the past few weeks about David. I've been passing them along, and I want to let you know he appreciates them so much. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our team in Toronto for putting the show together. And as David Menzies always says, without risk, there can be no glory.